All right. We're recording. We're recording. It's that simple. I'm so excited. I think that in this, I can edit everything. Probably. So once everything's done, I can just go back through and cut stuff in and cut stuff out and whatever. So, all right. I'm here today with Celeste and Ruben. I'm here. Yeah, dude, you're on it. Hell yeah. Yeah. And uh, this is my very first ever podcast that I've recorded on my own. So at the beginning, recorded other ones. Yes, I I was on Matthew Pritchett's podcast. He was a dude that went to. I don't know if you guys knew. He went to Belmont with us, but so. so his girlfriend Catherine was in the graphic design program. Okay. Very straight laced. Girl, the the two of them, they were always together on campus. If I showed you pictures of I like the two of them, you would definitely know. Yeah. So Matthew used to live down the hallway from me mm-hmm. at TK when I lived in TK. Mm-hmm. And when this whole thing came out about Gary Vaynerchuk talking about how you need to be on a podcast and if you're not on yeah. a podcast by the end of twenty nineteen, you're making a serious mistake for your business and whatever, I had been wanting to get on one. Mm-hmm. And when I heard him say that, I thought like this is like this is the universe telling me that I need to do this because I've been thinking about it, and yeah. now that was like the kick you. And needed. now that's like the kick I needed. <laughs> so I got on Facebook and I got on the Nashville podcasting group, and I saw a bunch of people yeah. talking about how like you need to be if you want to get on a podcast, you can post here. And people who on Fridays they do like a free Friday thing, and that's usually people promoting their mm-hmm. own podcasts, yeah. or it's people saying, "Hey, I need a guest for the second week of April," or "I need," mm-hmm. you know, we're recording this Saturday and we're wanting to have a construction worker on because we're talking about how Nashville is being built out or whatever. Yeah. So I got with Matt and I said, Hey man, I want to be on your podcast. And he said, that's great. Cause I was actually about to email you about it. <laughs> yeah. Like he was telling, he, he, I think him and his girlfriend, they're married now. So him and his wife. Oh my God. Yeah. But they're also, they were, they were juniors still living on campus because their scholarships they had like fat money and scholarships or something, <laughs> and because of that, they it was cheaper for them to live on campus. I really yeah because the scholarship money they couldn't take it out as cash to put towards rent. Oh, so but it was they, just but it would go have, towards okay. room and board. So they had yeah. like yeah, and they're you know just smart smart people. Mm-hmm. So anyway, they're married now. They have an apartment just outside Nashville. I went and recorded with them. Nice. I had a lot of success with that. And a lot of my, like my regular clients that I've tattooed mm-hmm. told me that they all listened to it because I posted that on Instagram. Yeah. They told me that they listened to it and they were excited to hear me talk about art and stuff. That's and then I would awesome. tell my new clients about it and they're like, oh yeah, I looked at your Instagram like a week ago mm-hmm. when we set up the appointment and I went and listened to it and it's, you know, you're so well-spoken and blah, 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 you know so much about <laughs> art. So... I thought, man, this is a great opportunity. Yeah. So I got on the Nashville podcast group. I started reaching out to every person that I could to get on their podcast, and I scheduled mm-hmm. like five sessions. Oh and my then God. the yeah, it, so I was gonna do one a week, every yeah. week, Damn, yeah. forever. I was gonna keep doing <laughs> that. And then the virus hit, Ugh. or the virus, the so virus. The, so the, the virus. I'm calling it the plague now. Actually. Yeah. So the plague hit. And one by one, all the people started, they sent me an email, they sent me a message, like, hey man, uh, someone my wife works with got it. And so we're locking down the house, and we're not doing any of this. I mean, people can still record remotely. Yeah. 
Like, it's surprisingly easy. Yeah. But I get it. Like, it's fucking scary. Oh, it's super scary. So, I thought about doing the remote thing, mm -hmm. and I talked to my roommate about it, and he was, he gave me some advice, and I just decided, you know, screw it. Yeah. I'm, on, I'm posting four things a day on TikTok. I'm still doing my one hour of drawing study a day. Mm -hmm. I'm still doing, I'm watching all my YouTube videos. I'm keeping up with all the other people that I keep up with. Yeah. And. Like still keeping like some sort of grind going. Yeah, absolutely. That's because, just what you have to do. Yeah. And people like me, I'm so used to being busy 24-7. Oh my God. Like <laughs> I'm so used to being busy 24-7. And everything came to a grinding halt. Just like, uh, like you hit a brick wall all of a yeah. sudden when you're so used to being like, I gotta get up, I gotta do this, I gotta go to work, and then I gotta yeah. like do a thousand other things. And suddenly it's like, I could wake up at one o'clock and do nothing. Mm -hmm. And it's like, huh? And it doesn't matter. There's no bearing. Yeah. Yeah. I slept until 10 o'clock the other day. I get up at <laughs> 6. Bro, I get up at 6 every day. Which is Every day. I get up at 6. So I sleep from midnight to 6 a.m. Yeah. I get 6 hours. And I get up at 6. And I, like, have my morning coffee. Sometimes you scare me. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I have my morning coffee. And I'm just like, like, go, 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 go. And at the end of the day, I'm exhausted. So that, well, as you that, should be. that 6 hours I get is, like, prime. Like, six your hours sweet spot. Oh, yeah. If just, I like, can wake up at, like, 8... I am exceptionally proud of myself. There you go. That's good. Like so proud. But like the Look, other Look, not day, everybody's the same. Like that's I can't. That's true. I just got, I got so frustrated with myself the other day. The night before I got in this very like productive mood and I did a bunch of shit and I made a to-do list of like, all right, tomorrow I'm going to wake up at like 830. I'm going to have coffee. I'm going to be like doing stuff by mm -hmm. nine. Mm -hmm. And then I somehow woke up at 1 p.m. <laughs> Yeah, it happens. And I, it ruined my whole but, day. But there's no bearing right now. Yeah. Because there's of this literally, whole... Literally, literally, no, this is the first time I've been unemployed since I was 10. Yeah. Um, and, but I've always worked weird hours, so it's like sometimes it'd be like I wake up at 4. Sometimes I'm mm -hmm. at work till 11 or 12, mm -hmm. uh, or 12 p.m., uh, 11 a.m. And now it's like, there's nothing, there's no school. There's nothing, there's no, yeah. I don't think I've gone to sleep before 5 a.m., in recent, like, since all this has happened, just because mm -hmm. my brain's like, well, we're not tired because we're not doing anything. Mm -hmm. So I guess, like, be productive for as long as possible at night, fall asleep at, like, 6, 7, and then wake up at, like, 11. And yeah. Call it a day. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It literally it doesn't, doesn't It matter. doesn't matter. Yeah. And that, like, kills me. I, I, oh, I'm dying. Oh, my God, I hate it so much. So the, the first, so business slowed down for us. The last oh. like two weeks that we were open, yeah, we were crazy busy for a while because like a lot of the the big name artists on Instagram, especially mm -hmm. like European artists and stuff, because it hit Europe first. Yeah, yeah. So when it hit Europe, a lot of those artists were saying, "Our I can't believe this is happening. Our shop is shutting down for mm -hmm. you know the foreseeable future, and like we don't know how long the shop's going to be out of business. Yeah, and we don't know how we're going to make rent and this and that. And a lot of the artists, you know, they're like, "I've got kids. I don't want to." Yeah, work. that's their whole livelihood. Yeah, it's their whole livelihood. So a lot of artists self-quarantined, which is good. It's yeah. good to be responsible. Yeah. It's good to do that. And then a lot of American artists started to follow suit, and a lot of the really big American shops started, like, very early, like at the very beginning of the virus scare. Mm -hmm. They immediately were closing doors and, like, canceling appointments, and yeah. they were like, we'll schedule you for after this. Mm -hmm. And Like whenever it's safe to do so. Yeah, so I talked to Karen, and Karen... We all had a staff meeting. We never have staff meetings. And Karen sat down and she said, we are going to keep tattooing until they come in here with guns and make us stop. 
And Sounds about right. Then, like, literally the next day, the governor was like, barbershops, tattoo shops, hair salons, nail salons, all that stuff, we're shutting you down. Yeah, it was like you don't have a choice. You, you don't have, have a choice. You have to yeah. shut down. And so that was it. And the the first day, I was sad, mm-hmm. you know. I woke up, I slept in the next day, and I kind of like straight. I cleaned my bathroom, I straightened up the house, whatever. Oh, I did so much like mm-hmm. straightening. I did, cleaned out our garage. Yeah. The next day, so I cleaned the carpet in the house, the whole carpet in the whole house. <laughs> that room, this room, the downstairs, our, carpet our bedrooms. House. I cleaned the whole house in a yeah. day. And then I finished at like five in the afternoon and I looked around and I was like, I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah. I'm going to run out of stuff to clean. And then I did run out of stuff to clean. And I ran out of stuff in like the first week. Yeah. Yeah. And it, like, it sucks because I'm so used to being go, 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 go all the time. Yeah. Like having stuff to do. Mm-hmm. And then you start to feel just kind of like useless because you, what are you supposed to well, do? Well, yeah. How am I, what am I supposed to do with my life? Mm-hmm. I'm like, I've run out of. Yeah. Things to do. I'm like creating things. Like, I'm going to work out for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just start coming up with stuff to do. Yeah. I re-downloaded Forza. I've been playing a racing <laughs> game again. Uh, we we playing... set up our Wii for the first time oh, yeah, in we set up a Wii. three years. Oh, yeah. I'm going to tear up that Wii boxing. <laughs> Wait, we can now. We, we just got control, more. Yeah, yeah, we just got more control. Oh, nice. Yeah, I bet you can get them super cheap right now. But people are selling everything for super cheap right oh, now. Oh, no. Opposite. Well, yeah. at least I know for, like, the Switch. Mm-hmm. The Switch is at, like, almost $500 right now. Yeah. Because everyone's like... Because every, everybody's like, Animal Crossing! You know? <laughs> I really yeah. want to play it, actually. Mari wants to play it. I've never lot. played Animal Crossing. I never really... I had heard of it. I don't understand what it's about. It's... I think Animal Crossing... Is for, it, like, Cute Sims? <laughs> yeah. It's Cute Sims. Well, then I'm on board. Basically, but um, I think the, the whole premise of the game is, like... You're the new resident on this island, and you, like, meet all the people on the island, and then eventually you get, like, you, you work with the people, and you make friends and stuff, and you do favors for them, and then, like, you end up being in charge of the island. And then, you like, you have to run the island. It just sounds like virtual chores. Yeah, that's kind of what I think about it. But, <laughs> but people, people post about it, and like, this is the last time I'm going to ask. What is this game about? Like we're just vibing, bro. Like yeah, I'm just... hanging out on a tree stump and fishing. This is great. Better yeah, than I... reality, I guess. Yeah, I think it's a, a certain kind of person. Yeah. I have been playing Doom, the new Doom Eternal. You can look at Dylan's PC over there. Like you can sit on that thing and ride it into space. It's got so much power. <laughs> oh my God. It's insane. This is the first one he ever built. And he just like get, he built yeah. this one, and then six months later built that one, and just gave me this one. He's like, I don't want it anymore. It's not yeah. that good. I don't want better. <laughs> this thing's insane, but that one's even crazier. So we can that thing can run Doom at sixty frames a second, <laughs> but we have to take the glass off because the graphics card gets so hot you could cook an egg on it. It's oh amazing. Have you tried to cook an egg on it? No, but I've touched a hot pan and I've touched the graphics card. Does the same. Oh. Fair. Yeah. You should try and cook an egg. I tried really hard to get back into video games when all this first started. Like, I went to GameStop, and I was like, I don't know how this works anymore. Uh, let's, I don't, let's have a game. And they were like, oh, Borderlands is a thing. And I was like, cool, let's get a Borderlands, yeah. I played the other ones. And I played it for seven days, which is their return policy. Mm-hmm. 
just couldn't. It, it was like it, it was fun, and I threw a few. I threw like twenty hours into it over the course yeah. of six days, and then I'm like, okay, now I'm just doing the same thing. Yeah, you're just redoing the, the same quest, but yeah. a little harder. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And I went to return it, and I called them. I was like, hey, are you guys taking returns? And they were like, um, here's the thing. Can you prove that the game has not come in contact with the virus? And I was like, well, I don't have it. And they were like, well, can you prove that the game hasn't touched it? And I was like, is there, is there paperwork for that? And they were like, no. And I was like, then no, no, sorry, we can't take it. Oh, so you like have Borderlands now. Well, then I was like, I was like, wait, I was giving manager. He goes, well, he's going to be in tomorrow or the next day, so you can come in one of those days. And I was like, but the, the, the return policy, the return policy yeah. is today. And he goes, well, sorry, bud. And then I called another place, and they were like, yeah, dude, it's chill, bring it in. Yeah, and I was like, okay. yeah, that's just that's just an instance of someone who's being a real stickler yeah. about their job. Mm-hmm. I did like I waited at the door. I like they opened it a crack. I slipped the game, my ID, the receipt, and the de- my debit or my uh, credit card in, mm-hmm. and they pulled it in. And then like went and did everything, <laughs> bleached everything, bleached themselves. <laughs> yeah, scrubbed and themselves with Lysol and gave it back. And a card came back, and I was like, thank you, thank you so much. Yeah, God. that's cool. Um, so, I'm trying to think, what else have we been doing? I've actually been drawing Yeah, a lot. I saw, you posted, yeah. you posted about that. I'm finally using the art account again, which is nice. And then, Yeah, I, how many, you got like four Instagrams? How many Instagrams do you have? Three? Three. Three? <laughs> See, every like... time that I tattoo you, <laughs> for those of you who are listening, I've, Celeste and I, and Ruben and I have been friends since we were in college. Yeah. But... Once I started tattooing, mm-hmm. you were maybe like the fifth person that I ever tattooed, something like that. Like very, yeah. very beginning of oh, yeah, like the, one of the first puzzle piece. The puzzle piece that we did on when we when we reworked it because yeah. it was busted. <laughs> that tattoo was busted. Well, and we yeah, because I it. tried to do it myself when I was super not sober. <laughs> yeah, and it's important that you tat if you do tattoo yourself, tattoo yourself at least sober. Um, yeah, it was dumb. It was really I fucked up. Um, yeah. yeah, you fixed it. It happens. <laughs> it happens. So, um, I, you and I actually, I think, were closer after I started tattooing you. Like I we, we so. were already friends. We were already like pretty close. I think you had like already seen me cry before <laughs> you first tattooed me. Yeah, you probably. Were, probably. <laughs> like in the art building, just like. <laughs> And you come in, you're like, you look really funny when you cry. <laughs> oh, I did tell you that. <laughs> I was like, thanks. Yeah, you, you stopped crying. It made me stop crying. And then after yeah, that, I found out that, like, if I'm crying and, like, want to stop, if I just take a selfie, <laughs> I start laughing at myself so much that I stop crying. So yeah. it did help me. But, yeah. After... Yeah, that was that day you posted, you posted a picture of yourself crying on your Instagram story. That's, I, I cropped it so it was just her face. And I sent it back to her. <laughs> I'm like, Oh my god! I'm horrible. I'm a so hard. I'm a good friend, but I'm a bad friend. And then I feel better about it. No, it turned out to be a good thing. But yeah, after you like you started tattooing me, we became a lot closer. Yeah. But where I was going with that, I started drawing a lot more, and then Ruben would be up. Like we have kind of a room, kind of like this, not open. Yeah. Where I'll draw, and he was up there with me. And that night he was like, I think I want to learn how to draw. So he's been trying. (laughs) It's so hard. Yeah, he's drawing super hard. Drawing is the dark souls of arts. It 100%. really is. That's why you like it so much. Yeah, it's it's punishing. It is. It's so punishing. It's. I tried to make him do the thing where you crumple up a paper bag and draw it. I just see. And I he was like, "No, I'm not because, doing." Because so my introduction to drawing is two things, which is 
Catholic elementary school art classes. Yeah, it's going to be rough, dude. You and can't then, do anything. You can't draw anything cool. No. Well, you can't <laughs> draw anything, period. It's just like, okay, we're going to color today. Uh, and the second <laughs> one was the traumatic experience that was one Belmont art class that I went to. Um, who, who was it? Rebar? No, it was... I feel so bad that Because if it was Rebar, like, I totally understand. Oh, yeah. I'm still traumatized by him. Yeah. But, no, it was... I feel so bad that I can't remember her name. Older woman. Adorable. Uh, Renee LaRose? Yes. Yes. So, what I happened love her. was... I was, was a figure drawing class. Oh, yeah, 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 100%. Was and I even in school? Or, like, it was the year I dropped out? Either way, I was. I brought her, like, food. Like, she was like, yeah. oh, bring me food. And I was like, oh, for sure. Like, I'm just around because I'm mm-hmm. fucking bumming around. Yeah. Uh, and I brought her food. And she was like, oh, you're new. Welcome to class. You're participating. And I was like, oh, I'm just going like, to drop some stuff off. I'm like, oh, no, you're just my boyfriend. And she goes, no, stay. Like, it'll be fun. Like, draw. It's like, there's no pressure. <laughs> and then she goes, just, she hands me, like, a box of, like, colored pencils. No, pastels. Pastels. That's oil pastels. Oh, God, I hate, bro, I it hate pastels. And she said, pick pastels. three colors. And I was like, all right, uh, whatever. And I picked blue, green, and orange. Okay. And then she says, okay, now we're going to be drawing each other today. I struggle to draw shapes. <laughs> yeah. Let alone people, let alone avatar-colored people now. Yeah. Um, and I tried, and it was awful. Because I'm surrounded by, like, a, uh, a class of, like, juniors, art, art major juniors, yeah, like, like, people who, at this point, they're committed yeah, to being yeah. in a drawing class. Yeah. Like, and I'm just making a fool of, God forbid, the girl that I had to draw. You tried your best. And then, here's the kicker, and this, this, is, this is why I, sh- I, I threw art to the wayside for at least a year, <laughs> is I went to go visit Celeste again in the art building, and my, pay- or my drawing was hung up next to everyone else's <laughs> in the hall. Yeah, but like, no one knew who you were or cared, bro. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter. <laughs> That's the freedom. Just seeing it, it was just like, oh my, I'm older than everyone in this classroom, most likely. Yeah. And oh no. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. I thought it was. That's a great story. Oh. It was lovely. I was like, the <laughs> hair goes this way, and ovals for face. Oh no. It was beautiful. It was. You did your best. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, that's that is the the harsh reality of of art, though. Is that it's yeah. so, so difficult. And especially art school. Because, yeah. like, you could be amazing at, like, printmaking or painting, but then, like, a drawing class, you could struggle so much, and then you do a critique where everyone puts their stuff up, and you're like, I know I'm good at something else, but this is bad. Mm-hmm. And it's so, like, crushing. You need to, like, defend yourself. Yeah, to be like, yeah. I did this because I thought that's how it looked. and Yeah. See, but, but then I'm it also complete... makes you go, like, well... Now I gotta up my fucking game. Like, mm-hmm. I can't. <laughs> I'm just an art normie. It's like I don't have an appreciation for like great art. I mm-hmm. it just it never instilled in me. So I like things that look cool and or good. Yeah. So I look somewhere, I'm like, oh yeah, I like that. Or like same thing with music. I'm just a normie with music. It's like, oh, I like this song because it sounds good. Yeah. And or then, like, I listened to this song at a pool party once, and like, mm-hmm. I just associate this yeah. song with a good time, it's and fun. I like this song. Yeah. That's. I would argue, though, that that is probably a very, even though it may be like a naive look, oh, super, at, yeah. look at fine art, it's probably one of the most pure ways to look at, at art. Yeah. Because it's, you're not obstructed by the, mm-hmm. what, what, 10 years of formal education or whatever? That, like, yeah, I'd say not the average. Like, oh, it's not balanced. It's not balanced like, enough, or you, ha- you don't have this, or you don't yeah. have that. Like, it's there just was, like, I look at it, and I like it, and that's enough. Yeah. 
So yesterday, I keep adding these little flags because I can edit later. Oh. Um, so it's anytime we change topics. So anyway, um, I'm in a bunch of art groups on Facebook. I'm in a ton of groups on Facebook anyway, just because I am. Yeah. But there was a there was a group I'm in called that weird art group, and that's just what it is. It's just a lot of the people in there are artists, so they're all sharing their work. Yeah. Back and forth all the time. So someone posted, they shared a post from another group into that group, and it was called it was a, a it's called Slaughterhouse. And it was a, a photo series from the 1980s. And it was literally someone in a slaughterhouse. And they were just taking pictures of the workers slaughtering pigs. That's all it was. Hmm, but they okay. were really, really beautifully taken photographs. Mm -hmm. And they're really well composed. And the lighting is really good. And the, yeah. su the subject matter is gruesome. Because we all like to eat food. But no one yeah. really wants to think that much about where the food comes yeah, from. of course. So... There's that going on. And then what was happening is that in the comment section, there was an absolute chaotic flame war going on <laughs> between everybody arguing whether or not mm -hmm. it was art. Oh, God. Yeah. That argument. And I, yeah. I posted the old Baldessari quote that I love so much. And John mm -hmm. Baldessari is a, a pop artist from the 1970s, 80s, 90s, I'd say. It was like the heyday of his... Yeah. Work. He still makes work, mm -hmm. but I'd say like that's that's the era that he's really known for. He has a famous saying of if the artist says it's art, it's art. Yeah, it's, it, you can't refute that. Mm -hmm. So if someone makes something with the intent of it being art, yeah. it still is. You can't argue whether or not it is. Now you can argue whether or not it's good. That's a whole separate thing. Yeah, mm -hmm. but yeah. you can art. But you know you can do anything in the name of art. You can you know burn a house down. Mm -hmm. in the name of art and you can take pictures and call it art yeah. whether or not the guy inside appreciates the fact you're burning his house down <laughs> is not you know that that's not the argument the argument is like the photographs are or not yeah, art like the paradigm of who's looking at it yeah like so many like you cooking a meal can be art mm -hmm. or making like a nice cake whether it mm -hmm. like tastes good or looks good but it's still an art form yeah it's still an art form yeah and almost everything is mm -hmm. art it's just whether or not it's good. Yeah. So I, I had to, I didn't try to start an argument with the group, but mm -hmm. it happened. <laughs> and I basically, someone said something about how, they basically said, what if I killed your pets and took pictures? Would that be art? And I said, do you have an argument or are you just talking smack? Because yeah, I don't like it isn't an argument. Mm-hmm. I don't like all kinds of stuff. I think yellow cars are stupid. <laughs> of all the colors you're going to paint your car, you're going to paint it yellow? That doesn't yeah. devalue. Just because I don't mm -hmm. like it doesn't mean yeah. that... It just means you're not going to buy a yellow car. It just means that I don't like car. it. That's all it is. Yeah. And you can't use I don't like it mm -hmm. as an argument against something. So yeah. basically when... like, I'm going to come to your house and shoot your dog. As a, yeah, that's as not a, like, that's oh, not a this is argument. just like the meat industry. You go to the grocery store, and I guarantee you that person like buys pork chops or whatever. Yeah. And even, the, I mean, there were a bunch of like, there were a bunch of people who are very obviously like vegetarians and vegans who were outraged photographs, mm -hmm. but those photographs really do work yeah. with a lot of people in the favor of vegans and vegetarians. Because, yeah, like, look at how gruesome and how shocking yeah. and how like how nasty 
the meat industry mm -hmm. is. And that's evidence of your argument. Yeah. And then that art can be used to educate people of like, hey, this is what's happening behind the food that you're consuming. Yeah. And if you're like me and you understand that because mm -hmm. you've killed your own food before, you just accept it for what it is. You understand yeah. every day that you're alive, some other thing has to die. That's mm -hmm. just how it is. It's the food chain. It's the food chain. Man, like sharks don't feel bad for eating seals. They just yeah. do. They just do it. You they know, can't help it. They don't feel bad about it. It's also like to go back to like the core of the argument. Yeah. Such a silly argument to have. Yeah. Because like, okay, you land on a point. It's art or it's not art. Yeah. It's like the label of something being art, quote unquote, is completely arbitrary. Yeah. It's like once yeah. it is or isn't art, nothing about it changes. Yeah. You could say, you know, I know a lot of people that are, like my friend Nick, he's a mechanic. He's a... Yeah. He's in the van club. He's a car guy. He loves to drag race. That's his. That's his jam. Um, he's one of those people that would argue that working on cars and modifying cars, like the car, is an art piece. Mm -hmm. Like the car itself is an art piece. Oh yeah. So you know when you put you put fender flares and you put like a, a chin spoiler and you like a, <laughs> mm -hmm. a cool paint job and custom interior, or if it's really ratty and it's got rust spots on it, but you just don't care. Yeah. And you still race it like that's still art. And I know a lot of people who think that no, my car is literally just this. It's like no different from my washing machine. Mm -hmm. It's just a thing that I have to have to get to work. Yeah. See, I mean, I'm in that boat yeah. because it's just like I bought this. It has good gas mileage. I don't have to work on it for a while. Yeah. Awesome. It gets me to working back. Yeah. And that's it. And that's all I have to worry about. So, you know, some people with your, the way you're thinking about it as like it's more of a utilitarian thing than an art thing. Yeah. Wouldn't really consider it a car. Art. Yeah, 100%. But if I showed you one of those old Cadillacs from the 1950s. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. That's art. Where does it change? This is where a lot of the conversation happens. Yeah. I think it's just kind of each person, what they define as art and what they see it as. Yeah. Cause like, I would say, I mean, certain cars can be art pieces. Mm -hmm. Something like, was it a Su Subaru, I think, made a truck? Disgusting. It's disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. A Subaru Baja? Is that what you're talking yeah. about? That is... Mari hates... Anytime she I thought you were going to oh, say bro, love. Like, she has wonderful taste. Bro, anytime she sees one of those, she takes a picture of it and like sends me the puking emoji. It's with it. she, awful. She hates them so it's, much. It's, but it's then also you can make something car. like the new Subaru Outback, which I think is a beautiful car. Yeah. And like other things, like it's just... Well, if you think about product design... It's like something that most people use every day, like a chair. Mm -hmm. Okay, we think of a chair as sick. The person who made that chair, the mold, and like put all that together... Like was really passionate. Was really passionate. Or like when you see those car commercials where it's something besides a car driving through the mountains. It's like someone carving a piece of wood to have like the angles that they want mm -hmm. in the car. So it's like even things that are super arbitrary or super utilitarian, like someone put hella work into that. Yeah, someone put a ton of work into that. Mm -hmm. And that's everything. Yeah. That's, you know, the couch you guys are sitting on. That actually, that couch is a designer couch that we got well, by wow. accident. We got it by accident. Bourgeois? Because we knew it was a, one of my roommates that doesn't live here anymore. Mm -hmm. It was her friends from, she's from New York. Mm -hmm. And she had moved to Nashville and was living in Nashville for a while. And then, like, she got in a fight with her roommates and had to move out, Ooh. and there was a while where she was just kind of like crashing at friends' places before she could have enough money to put down a deposit on another house or something. Yeah. Some weird, convoluted story. Anyway, we ended up with a a chair, a couch, and this a love seat and this couch. We had a three piece, mm -hmm. 
and she came and took the other two and didn't have a room for this and was like, you guys keep it. Fair enough. So we, it just kind of, no one ever sits on it. So I think Mari, Mari will come and sit on it sometimes if I'm Mm -hmm. up here drawing. Yeah. She'll sit on that couch and I guess it's going to be the podcast couch. And Dylan, Dylan uses it sometimes, like if he and I are watching a movie mm-hmm. up here, we'll both sit on the couch. That makes sense. But other than that, like it doesn't get used. It just sits over in the corner. Like it, it still looks extremely new. Yeah, like we don't even touch it. Yeah. And I always keep a blanket on it. Mm-hmm. So light. Yeah, bro. I'm like, I'm the kind of guy that like, I'm so cheap that I wouldn't buy, like, I don't buy white shoes. I don't buy white clothes. All my dress shirts are off white just because I know that. I'm going to stain it. I'm going to stain it, bro. I'm too messy. Like, the only white shirts I own, you bought me one, and the other two are, my sister didn't want them, so I have them. Oh, yeah, of course. Like, I can't. I'm not responsible enough. White clothing. Being thrifty with clothes is, Mm -hmm. like, the other day, I was, I think I was, like, walking to lunch, and I, like, pulled up my pants and simultaneously ripped two belt loops off, (laughs) and I was like, shit, and I bent over, and when I bent over, I ripped the crotch, and I was like, oh, my God. And I was pissed, and I was like, I haven't had these pants for that long. Like, what, what is this yeah, about? Yeah, but was it, was it, were they new? That's the thing. So I bought them new, but I bought them when, like, Aeropostale was closing down, and they were, like, $3, and I was like, I... Ooh, yeah, they were cheap, bro. Those were yeah. slave labor. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> I was talking to Celeste about it, and I was like, I, I was like, I haven't even had these pants for so, like, that long. She's like, you've had those for three and a half years. Yeah. And I don't yeah. own a lot of, like, like just slack pants that yeah. I like, everyday wear, and yeah. so, like, those have probably been worn. Hundreds of times. I yeah. just buy clothes so infrequently yeah. that it's like, I just bought, this yeah. is my last 12 purchases. Like, mm-hmm. come on. You don't realize <laughs> it. Yeah. Dude, I have a story about pants like that. So I, I've been the same, I've been this big since freshman year of high school. Same yeah. build. Damn. Pretty much the same weight. And you eat 3,000 calories a day. And I eat, yeah, between three and 5,000 calories hate a day you at least. So much. Anyway, what I'm getting at is I've been wearing the same pants. Since like eighth grade, like the same pair of pants. The same, yeah, I have the same pants. I wear them all the time, and I just bought new pants maybe three months ago. I don't think they lasted that long. Levi's five hundred ones, they're good. They're just good pants. Hmm. So the the difference, the was it the five hundred ones, are like the old school, just ordinary blue jeans, like dad oh, jeans, the, the yeah. ordinary Levi's jeans, the blue jeans. They are like yeah, but they're thick, and they have a button fly, not a button and zipper. And I had just, my mom bought me when, like, school started. It's like, I got you new clothes for school. Oh, yeah. Because moms have to do that. And I'm not going to complain about free stuff. Mm-hmm. So I put on my new pants. And I just wore them. And I wore them all through high school. Mm-hmm. And then I wore them all through college. And then I realized these pants are 10 years old now. When I Jeez. squatted, I squatted down and blew the knee out. Like the fabric was just so thin from being warm yeah. so much that the knee just like exploded. And I still wear them. <laughs> I just wear them. I just wear them to the bird sanctuary. I don't wear them out to work anymore. Yeah. So I went to Levi's and I bought two more pairs of five hundred ones, just like the ones I had. But these are black, and my old ones are like blue. Mm-hmm. They're like white now because they've just all the blue's been washed just out. Totally blue. Yeah. They're they're so oh my god they're so comfortable. They're so comfortable. Oh, because once you wear like when you have good denim. And you wear it down so long, it it's, becomes, it's becomes soft. so soft. Oh, man. But yeah, that's like my life. I don't... Yeah. Again, that's probably my grandmother, because my grandmother grew up during the Depression. Mm-hmm. She's in her mid, late 80s now. 
Yeah. Ish. My grandfather's older. This is my mom's mom, my dad's dad. So mm -hmm. my grandfather is 94. Jesus. Now, yeah, he's super old. Jesus. Um, he fought in World War II and was too young. So what he did was he went down to the state office uh -huh. and claimed that basically he said, we lost everything in a fire and I need a birth certificate. And the people at the state office were like, cool, what's your birthday? And he just, <laughs> and he just told them a birthday that would make him 18. And he took, they printed a new birth certificate off, signed it, mm -hmm. handed it to him, and he took it down the street to the enlistment office and was like, hi, I want to go fight the Japanese. And, <laughs> and they're like, cool. they're like, tight, man, come on. And that was it. How old was he? He was 16. Okay. He was 16 or 17. Gotcha. That was at a time in American history where your, your age didn't really matter that much. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's also, my grandfather's one of like seven kids or something. <laughs> he was, I think, the second oldest. He had uh, maybe one or two older brothers. Mm -hmm. But he was like in the older group of kids. And I think his oldest, oldest brother died in his 20s or something. He got mm -hmm. super, he got the flu and just, that was it. Yeah. Like, he's from a time when if you got the flu, that was it, bro. Like, yeah, there was like nothing they could those, do. Yeah, they, they didn't have... This is like, pre-vaccinations and stuff. Yeah. They like you have the flu. They're like, eat some garlic. I don't know what to tell you. And then, <laughs> Here's some leeches. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Just, so he... Lots of whiskey and lemon. Yeah. <laughs> That's Yeah. So he... Um, growing up with him, growing up with my grandmother mm -hmm. and my parents, my grandmother still has that depression era thinking. Like, she saves everything. Oh, my grandmother does the same thing. Yeah, and growing she up... She has a whole freezer... Just, just of with beans, beans and rice yeah. and bread and stuff in it. Yeah, yeah, and just 100%. like meats that are definitely expired. But she's like, no, they're frozen. They're still good. Yeah, like I'm sure. Okay, Green Dam. What did he say? Mm -hmm. Yeah, my grandmother's like that. So, growing up with that, I remember distinctly her telling me something about because I I was a I was a kid. I was like too young to fully understand. But like a commercial came on, and it was you know, do you have X amount of dollars in credit card debt? Call this number. What is one of those? Mm -hmm. And she told she looked at me, she's like, son, let me tell you something. No matter what anybody tells you, debt is bad. It is bad. And I was like, why is debt bad? And she said, anytime you have debt, whoever has the debt owns you until the debt is absolved. And they will hold it over your head. Mm -hmm. Before you're able to do anything else in your life, you have to fix that debt problem. Yeah. And that's just how it is. So that instilled in me so young and all the other, the little things that she did all the time. So the neighbor would grow turnips. So we regularly would get turnips and turnip greens yeah. that we would eat with dinner, like a lot. And my grandmother kept a garden and mm -hmm. she, we ate a ton of stuff out of her garden. And every school night, since my mom didn't get home from work until like seven o'clock at night, cause she was a single mom yeah. working and working super hard and working long hours. Mm -hmm. When I got off the school bus, I was too young to be at home by myself. I would be with my grandmother at the mm -hmm. house. And I would do homework and stuff because we lived on the same street. Yeah. So I would, like, hang out with my grandmother. And then there was always that thing of we're eating the greens from the neighbors. Our neighbors gave us some, mm -hmm. some turnip greens. And that's what we're going to have with dinner because, like, this is cheaper than going to the market and oh, buying yeah. them. Like, yeah. you have it. Yeah, and we would. I was there five nights a week, like Monday through Friday. I was hanging at my grandmother's house and eat. And all the stuff that she ate, looking back on it, low budget. Everything was low budget. Oh, so low. Everything budget. was cooked, and she has the same cast iron pans that her grandmother gave her. 
So the pans that forever. Yeah, yeah. So the pans that my grandmother still cooks needs out of are from the eighteen hundreds. Because that's how old they are, and yeah. it's just that kind of thrifty mm-hmm. mindset of like, if you can do it cheaper, do it cheaper. Yeah. If you can, you know, if you can take care of something and save it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, what I'm saying is like, that's why my pants are ten years old. That's where I'm getting that with this. <laughs> it's all about pants. It's all about my pants. Which is a super yeah. funny spin because you work in art, which is like very yeah. super expensive. Opposite mm-hmm. of like essential and cheap, which mm-hmm. is like non-essential and mm-hmm. expensive. Yeah. yeah, it's not. It, it, you're right. It is non-essential. Like, yeah, I could be doing other stuff that would probably would better benefit people. I'd probably be helping more people as a construction worker. You know, I'd be like building houses for yeah. people and like fixing bridges and making the roads safe <laughs> and all that. But like, I don't find any joy. No, yeah, in any of that. My no, no. my dad was like a did construction and plumbing and carpentry and stuff forever mm-hmm. and hated it. And I used to go to work with him as a kid and like it's grueling. And I thought it was great. I thought it was awesome. I was like, Dad, it's like you and all your bros like hanging out and building stuff. That seems tight. I was so excited. And one of the old guys, you know, there's always that old dude on the on the job site. Yeah, we're and that like, How old are you dude still doing this. Yeah, and it turns out he's actually like forty. He just looks like he's a thousand. <laughs> you know, you know that guy. Like he looks like he's seventy five. Yeah, yeah, he looks like he's just like ancient. Mm-hmm. Like the world was built around him, and he's just still working on the yeah. same house. So one of those guys told me as a kid. He said, if you want to be poor forever, build houses. Yeah. What? I was like, don't you guys make good money? He's like, yeah, we make good money, but, like, the world's expensive. And mm-hmm. you, if you can't keep your good money, it's not really good money. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's just, you got to do something that, like, sustains you, but also... Keeps you happy. If it, yeah. Got to yeah. sustain your soul. As yeah. cheesy as that sounds. Like. Mm-hmm. So my mom, my mom's an artist, and she's she's really yeah. My mom is like a killer when it comes to drawing and stuff. Dang. She's a killer, but my mom wanted to go into fashion. Mm-hmm. That's her. My and my mom is like the thriftiest fashionista really? in the world, a thousand percent. We even though we grew up broke, and I had no idea that mm-hmm. we were broke the whole time. My mom still looked fresh every day. Looking- Fly. Yeah, my mom my mom always looked very well put together. She was always very yeah. well dressed. But in reality, she didn't have like looking back, mm-hmm. she didn't really have a huge wardrobe. I don't remember her having a big wardrobe. I don't remember her having going out and buying new clothes all the time. Mm-hmm. I remember her would she would regularly get like a new jacket or like a new pair of pants or some new socks, but it was never she was never buying a whole new wardrobe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's just like finding different ways to wear the same things mm-hmm. and accessorize She's to a make it with look that. like expensive and well thought out mm-hmm. and very like look like a designer, but yeah, but not yeah. So my mom wanted to go into fashion, and in I want to say it was the eighties. My mom was going mm-hmm. to college. Let's put the timeline about right. Yeah. So yeah. my mom wanted to go to school for fashion, and my grandfather and grandmother you know, I told you about they were, they were poor mm-hmm. like they grew up in the depression and like yeah. just didn't really have much and started a family they didn't really have the money to put her through school so I think my mom did like a year or mm-hmm. like a semester and a half and they like ran out of money like sorry yeah. we can't keep sending you to school and that was it so my mom got married and started a family and here I am mm-hmm. yeehaw <laughs> so when my mom saw that I had some 
interest with art, mm-hmm. she just like pushed it. She was like, yes, do that. Yeah. A thousand percent do that. She was always super supportive of that whole thing. Mm-hmm. And here I am. Making it big time now. Trying to make it big time. You have, I mean, you have a podcast now. Bro, I have a podcast You now. have a podcast. <laughs> you made it. <laughs> Wild. Wild. Yeah, no, I mean, like, you really, like, made the most of what you had, from trying. my perspective. I'm trying to. Like, you got a good education, and you're actually using it and doing something you love and fulfills you. Mm-hmm. Which I think is, overall, like, everyone's kind of core dream, whether the branches of that are make money or have a family or do whatever. I think the core of it is doing something that fulfills you. Yeah. That's right. Well, I think we're moving to Utah. Yeah. True. So let's talk about that. Oh, God. Oh, man. Well, I don't know what's happening now. I mean... We're still moving. Yeah, we're still still moving. moving. Uh, Right now, I'm in constant contact with the company just Mm -hmm. because uh, they put a pause on new students. Of course. And new students do eight to... Eight on the low end... 27 on the high end, 13 average weeks of the program. So by the time I would start, the kids who were coming in at the beginning of the pause would be out, which means there's no business. And so I'm in constant contact, but one of the few gun hoes about them being like a private healthcare facility is because, so the clients that they have are all loaded. And so right now they're just, oh yeah, they got mad, mad stacks of cash. Yeah. Yeah. It's like three to 500 bucks a day per Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's killer. Wow. Once again, for <laughs> 8 to 27 weeks. Uh, but yeah, so they're developing a program or a, a system or a test that is going to be 100% conclusive. It's like, do you have any traces of like the COVID-19? Right. And then we can accept you and then we can take your money more. Um, so they're confident about getting that off the ground, but mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to put all my eggs in one basket. Of course. And so just kind of playing it back and forth, but really just the job will exist. Maybe not as soon as like I, we were hoping, but it will exist yeah. in sometime in the near future. And so as soon as that clicks on, we'll be moving out. But yeah, just fucking going to get a degree in advertising and marketing and communications and all the generic, hey, I'm hip and I understand a handful of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then doing it and being like, oh, okay, you know, I can do the job. I just don't enjoy anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, before, you know, the whole layoffs and everything happened, it was like, all right, I'm going to take a big old pay cut. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna live out in the woods for eight days right. out of every two. But you're weeks. gonna love it. I'm gonna love mm-hmm. every every awful and amazing second of it because yeah. it's like, even while out the tryout, like, bad shit happens like out there. Like, you get bit by a rattlesnake. You get bit or... by a rattlesnake, but like that's like that's like small things. It's like a kid takes a rock and comes at you. Like th- those are things that happen on like a mm-hmm. not. Fingers crossed, depending on the student, regular basis. But type like, of thing does happen, though. Type of thing happens all the yeah, time. Yeah, kid, a kid tries to smack you in the head with a stick while you're sleeping yeah. type thing. Or, like, a lot of running and, like, kind of stuff like that. So Oh, God, I couldn't imagine. Like, you're out there looking at ch- chasing some, like, rich dude's kid, and he just, like, I hate you, and just goes sprinting off into the woods, and you're like, no, there's <laughs> bears! You know, whatever. Yeah, okay, it's like, especially when the place that I was when I was on my tryout, it was the middle of the desert. Uh-huh. Middle of the St. George Desert. So it's like, where the hell are you going to go? But, like, I mean, if you've been there, because a lot of these kids see jail as a better option than wilderness therapy. Well, yeah, so explain for, <sighs> I think I have a pretty good grasp on what wilderness ther- therapy is, mm-hmm. but for the people who are only following me on TikTok and don't know anything about me, Fair <laughs> that's who's about to listen. What is wilderness therapy and why do we need it? Uh, so wilderness therapy is an alternative type 
of it's a crisis intervention and a assessment program. So essentially, either doctors, physicians, the court, or really desperate parents make the decision of essentially an ultimatum, where it's like juvenile, uh, heavy inpatient, or wilderness. Um, and so it's programs out in the middle of nowhere, Utah, Oregon, California, Nevada, kind of yeah. Western states that have a lot of like open, open room. Um, they'll make the decision to have their kids sent there. And a lot of programs use a program or a method called gooning, which is essentially... Does it stand for something? Uh, no. No, it's, it's just called gooning? That's called, just the word? Yeah. Terrifying. That's and great. it's uh, when you as the child don't know what's happening, but you wake up in the middle of the night to two men... Being like, pack your shit, we're leaving. And sometimes your parents are there, sometimes they're not. But essentially you get taken from your home. Wow, so it's like a traumatic thing a little bit. Oh yeah, 100%. And like, the re- I mean... <laughs> it's awesome! He's like two <laughs> big dudes, away. you like wake up and there's just two guys in your bedroom. They're yeah. like, alright, we're going hiking. Yeah. Like, I don't want And, and like, they, put you, they put you on a plane and like they're like, if you try to run, we have all the medical paperwork saying that this is either a medical or a... Uh, juvenile transport so it's like we have we are your when your parents do it they are your legal guardians so like you can't the easier that you are to them the easier the, the, the whole smooth the smooth the whole process but like them. they're professionals like i now, was talking to one by, of the by the time this happens the kids know that they're messing up like they've already you said it's like a court decision sometimes oh, sometimes or it's like a lot of kids it's like i used to beat my parents up it's like oh i have parents and i'm just like a really big 14 year old or like you know like like the kids vary, like, all over the place, but, like, I am actively harming my parents. Or wow, I, dude, I am, like, if I tried to swing on my dad, my dad would <coughs> pick me up and rip me in half like the Doom guy. Like, yeah. he would, like, it would be like, uh, like, Master Chief from Halo just, like, kicking a grunt <laughs> in the face. Like, that, that's what it would be like with me and my dad. Like, yeah, my, it was... But also, it would never get to that point, No, I think, because mm-hmm. my dad's just not, yeah. like, he would never have that. And, like, most of these parents are just, like, so, like far away from like any type of help they can do on their own anymore so is it is it that are these kids that have what is it called conduct disorder were they yeah so there's there's a whole range and like there's so many different groups everything from like very very high autism spectrum to you know like where you have problems with authority you have a borderline personality you have like just the whole the whole the whole range these are kids that are not necessarily troublemakers, but they're troubled kids. They've got problems. Yes. And, like, yeah. and, well, after being, after working with the kids and, like, kind of talking, you start to realize that troublemakers are all just successful troubled kids. Like, they're doing the things that they want to do. Mm-hmm. And when I say but they're getting away with it. They're getting away with it. Or they are actually executing. Or they have, like, the resources or people around them to, like, do the bad things that they want to do. Because mm-hmm. there's plenty of troubled kids who are like, I hate everything. I want to just do drugs and there's kids who have friends who are like hey do you want to sell drugs yeah and then boom just like that like, yeah and then boom yeah you've got just another gang member yeah yeah another so, another I was chaotic one person of the kids out there who was in a gang um, yeah and he was just like we were talking about gooning because it's like that that one that to me is one of those wild parts yeah that, of that's crazy like that that concept the fact that there's a process that makes that totally legal and that like the per- the parents have consent they give consent yeah. to these people and to do that, gooning. and it's called gooning. Well, that, that's, I think that was started by kids, and then just like it is now. That, like, that's just what they term. use. Yeah. It probably had a name like forced replacement it's, or something like that. Yeah. I think it's like uh, behavioral or medical transport is like the behavior. Yeah, it's got like a technical yeah. name. But it's some men in black them. type stuff right there. 
And he was just like, yeah, you know, like, he was like, you know, I was gangbanging a little bit. And, like, I was like, okay. a little bit. I was like, we're not going to address that. We're going to keep moving. But he's like, yeah, you know. And, like, I stayed with my rents because, you know, I knew they wouldn't do anything about it. And if, like, I knew this was coming, I would be out. I would be, like, the second I, if I found out I had to go to one of these things. Yeah, out, never, out the bedroom window, sprinting off into the night. They'll never see me again. Mm-hmm. He's like, but, like, every once in a while, people would sneak into my house. Because I knew my parents, like, they were, my parents were powerless. And they would steal, like, my product. He's like, I kept a bat next to my bed at mm-hmm. all times. And I was like, so did you hit one of the, the transporters? He's like, no. I wo- like, a guy tapped me on the shoulder. I reached for the bat and then realized they had moved everything in my room three feet away from me. Oh. So my bed was an island in the middle of the room. And he was just like, and they scrambled. And they, like, there was like a little tuffle. And then he realized that it was like, there was nothing there's nothing you could do. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like, the process itself, effective and traumatic, is like, how it all starts, but then they go out to the wilderness, and essentially they're broken down from everything in the sense of like, this is what time you wake up, this is what time you eat. We are going to go do this activity. They force the structure onto the person, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's like you know most put- uh, programs like the one I'm working with are non-punitive. So it's like if you don't do what we say, we're not going to punish you, and we can't force you to do anything. Mm-hmm. But just know that there's literally nothing else to do. So it's like if we wake up in the morning, and our plan is to wake up at seven. Be like eating by you know eight done eating by eight forty five and then like on the way to go rock climbing by like ten, and you refuse to get out of your sleeping bag. We're just gonna hang out and wait for you to get out of your sleeping bag. Like we're not in a rush. Yeah. Like we're just out here. So if you want to refuse, and you're just burning through daddy's money. Yeah. You're, you're burning through time. You're burning yeah. through like and plus the least. It's boring. It's probably hot. Yeah. Or cold. And then you start whatever. to realize, like, Both. the deeper levels, which are, like, a lot of the kids who do, like, sleeping bag or van refusals or, like, any kind of refusal, mm-hmm. probably something else going on. So it's, like, especially with some of the kids that, like, one of the situations that we had to deal with was a kid soiled a sleeping bag. Okay. Like, in the middle of the night. Yeah. Uh, and just didn't want anyone to know and didn't want to tell anyone. And stayed in the sleeping bag? And that process, that, that, it was, um, uh, so VP is our autism spectrum disorder. Okay. Uh, and so it was one of the simulations dealing with them. And it was, like, well... This is a very realistic thing uh, for people in that situation. So mm-hmm. it's like how to navigate, A, finding out what is actually happening and then dealing with it in a way that builds good rapport with the students and doesn't make it the, the thing of the day where everyone mm-hmm. just talks about it nonstop. So navigating those like, so, right. like social situations. Because that just makes it worse and that mm-hmm. you fixate on that and you don't actually fixate on helping the person who needs help. Yeah, because yeah. a lot of time other kids would be like, oh no, like I'll help you get them out of a sleeping bag. And you're like, hey bud, like thank you so much, but like we'll take care of this. Because like, the, one of the biggest things I realized while I was there is like, the kids there aren't bad kids. Like some of, the, some of the kids mm-hmm. that I was dealing with uh, in the group that I had, I've been working with kids since I was like 11. Since you were a kid. <laughs> yeah, since I was, I lied about my age to get my first like job as a summer camp counselor. That's awesome. And so like, I love working with like younger people who are just like stoked to be there. As long as no one tells them it's not cool, like that is my bread and butter. If no, if you don't think what you're doing isn't cool, we're gonna have a great time. Right. And so those kids that I dealt with in that program were hands down some of the greatest, like well-behaved kids mm-hmm. I've ever dealt with in any program. And then when I went back to talk to their leaders, they were absolute nightmares when they started. So literally just like over the course of like eight to 12 weeks in the program. Yeah, they just like, completely changes them. They went person. from like, yeah, like I'm going to fight you. I'm going to bite you. I'm going to rip your hair out to like, I'm going to offer positive feedback about how you could be a better guide and what I felt during our interactions, wow. which is something that's so these kids, these kids do. go from like slinging dope on the corner and fighting to like 
critical thinking and giving positive yeah, feedback. Like, wow, that's bananas. And because the guys <laughs> switch out every two weeks, like there's like intergroup leaders who it's like, hey, I've been here for eight weeks. I want you to get out just as much as you want to get out. Let me teach you how to cook over a stove. Like, let me teach you how to not burn your pots. Let me like, and like, so the guides are more like, hey, I'm here to help you. I'm here to like do the more therapy stuff. But like, you want to know the best like way to cook scalloped potatoes with like limited resources? Talk to this girl. She's been here for long enough, and she's yeah, she like more she's got this happy. dialed in. Oh yeah, I'm just gonna teach you how to find wild uh, what is it? Wild chives, wild onions to like chop yeah. them up, add some flavor, bro. Yeah, it's it's That's a wild. wild time. That's cool. so. What got you interested in that? Is it from being a camp counselor as a a young adult, I guess. Yeah, so I, when I, the job I lied about my age for, I got a promotion in when I was like 13, and I was working with first-time offenders. Uh, and you were 13? I was 13 <laughs> working with first-time offenders. They all thought I was 18, because like it was for high school students. Uh-huh. So like I was dealing with kids older than me, but I had a mustache, so it was kind of Oh, just, right, yeah. yeah so they, they were like, yeah, he's probably older, and like I knew my way around a ropes course. And so I was working with kids who were first-time offenders for like And like no one ever asked stuff. for an ID? No, because it was it was we contracted out. So they were like, "Give us your top people for this position," and then they paid our reservation one lump sum, and then it got split up. So it's like we did like the taxes we did for it was just like it was like considered a bonus onto our normal job. Oh wow, that's wild! And so yeah, we were working with all these kids who it's like I like how you just admitted the tax fraud. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we did the taxes on it, and plus like I made less than a thousand. There were like numbers. Oh like, okay. If yeah. you work less than X amount, you don't have to file it on your taxes. Pretty much okay. It was a whole thing. Yeah. And I was I mean, like whatever. eleven. I was like. It's not illegal, it doesn't matter, it's fine. I did a whole bunch of work at 11, we'll talk about it later. (laughs) And um, I was working with kids who were like truant teens, drug dealers, and like, at the same time in my life, I was doing some really rocky shit. And so I was like dealing with the ramifications of what I was doing actively. While trying to. So I mean, I guess you can understand the whole, like, the side they were coming from. Oh, 100%. About, oh man, I'm just having fun, bro. Yeah. But really, you were just having fun, bro. Yeah, and because like yeah. looking back, it was like, oh no, you were just real dumb. Like I was, yeah. just, I was just dumb. Yeah, you were just thirteen. Yeah, and like I was equipped to deal with the ramifications of it, which I made it made, like, gave me more like internal clout. I was like, yeah, dude, I, I know, I know how to get out of this. But in all reality, it was like setting myself up for like the first time anything went wrong. It was like, oh, we're out. Like we are, we're out of here. We're not doing this. Like because I know exactly where it leads. But just dealing with those kids and like helping them realize that their lives weren't over. Right. was the greatest, like, the most fulfilling job I've ever worked. And it was, like, a front country, so it took them, like, hiking and climbing and that kind of stuff. But this is, like, those were kids who it's like, oh, you don't want to have a, a, a record. Like, we'll go through this program and make that work. This is, like, you want to put your life back together. And right. So this is, like, an extreme version of Yeah, that. this is this is the, there's not much left between you and prison. So Or just, like, Boarding, like, like for them, boarding school, like really intensive prison-esque yeah. boarding schools. Is yeah, the next option. like this is the last thing before the worst stuff that you can get oh, into. Yeah. Yeah. This is like the last cry for. Yeah. Let's help mm-hmm. to make you a functional person. Or if before you want to lead like a normal life, yeah. we're gonna try like. Before the doo doo and the fan meet at full speed, <laughs> let's let's try to like work something out, and it yeah. involves hiking. Oh yeah, <laughs> it involves just getting out and just yeah. Because it's like self-reliance and confidence mm-hmm. and like, oh, you're stressed while backpacking? Good thing that you can fix it with like blister cream or adjusting your pack or drinking more. Yeah. That's it. Like those are all drink, your Drink problems. more water. Drink more, drink water. more water, yeah. bro. Crush it now. That's, that's, yeah. that's the phrase. Um, you said crush it now? Crush it now. Na- crush it now. Like a Nalgene. Okay. It's like, oh, like my, now. I, I'm okay. feeling tired. Crush it now. Crush it now, bro. Drink a whole Nalgene. You'll be Boom. good to go. Um, there's an old saying. Uh, there's two old sayings that I, I really 
love and live by. And one of them is adversity introduces the man to himself, mm-hmm. which I think is absolutely true. And that's kind of like what you're doing is you're, you're forcing these people who they have one kind of adversity, but that adversity is caused by them either rebelling against their parents or by, like you said, they have, you know, BPD mm-hmm. and they're probably not medicated on their BPD. And that, that can lead to all kinds of problems. I got some close friends that have BPD mm-hmm. and it's like being around them is rough sometimes. Like yeah. I love them. Yeah. And I've had, this is uh, friends in high school and people I know now and whatever. And sometimes, man, like with the, when they switch medications, it's rough. Yeah. And I can only imagine being like a hormonal, angry teenager who hates your parents mm-hmm. with that and no medication. Yeah. Yeah. And all of that. Or having and like, like your mood switches and you don't really know why, but that's just how yeah, you feel and you're, now. And yeah. And you live in the moment 24 seven and mm-hmm. it's just every moment is misery. Oh yeah. And you just hate everything. Yeah. One of the most like touching things that like happened to me while I was there is I was talking to one of the girls um, in the group I was working with, and she could not comprehend because I was there on a tryout, and she got along really well with myself and one of the other guys, and she was talking to us. She could not comprehend why we were there, and we we're like, "What do you mean?" She's like, "You guys are cool," and we we're like, "Yeah." She goes, "You guys like doing stuff outside?" And we're like, "Yeah." She goes, "You guys like have friends and like families?" And we're like, "Yeah." She goes, "Why? Why do you want to be out here with us?" It's and it was like that moment of realization where it's like. These kids have given up on everything themselves and everything, mm-hmm. and they just think that this is like a temporary punishment mm-hmm. until like they start to like build and become functional, and like that's mm-hmm. where like, our job really like shines and makes like it's the reason that I do it. So yeah, cool. I'm gonna pause this and restart it. Uh, okay, and we're back. We're back. So the app I'm using, I can only apparently record one hour at a time. Whatever, I don't know. It's not a paid, it's free. Yeah. So there's got to be some kind oh. of ramifications to free stuff. Yeah. So the other quote, the other quote, other than adversity introduces the man to himself, is uh, as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another, or one person sharpens another. I think that like you can't, you can't be your truly best self without the help of others. Mm-hmm. So no one really is ever self-made. I yeah. hate that. I hate that. I hate that whole thing about like, bro, I'm self-made. No, you're not. Like I you're not. On my own. I'm you're not self-made. It's like, yeah, you did. Yeah. Someone, Someone at one helped point you. Was like, hey, you're being shitty. Do better. And you were like, oh yeah. Like yeah. some critique. No longer somehow. self-made. Yeah. In that, the, anytime anybody cooks you a meal, like your grandmother cooked you a meal, you're like, I'm self-made. No, 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 no. Your grandma's greens made you, bro. Yeah. That's not. Yeah. There was. So there's. I'm, I'm gonna like leave some names and play. There's a. There's a place that I work with that brings in speakers about a ver- a number of topics, mm-hmm. leave it at that, and one of the speakers they brought in uh, was a, worked in the fitness realm, okay. um, and the driving point to their speech was like self-worth, which is great and everything, mm-hmm. but they're like, you know, if, if a newcomer comes to your scene and wants to like get some advice for you... Like, don't just, don't just be like, oh yeah, buy me coffee, do it. Charge them $600 an hour for a c- consultation. Because you know what? You got there all on your own and you like, and I was like, did, did you, did you get, did you get to your position all on your own? Because if you, if you did, fantastic. But if, guy, will you write this guy's name on a piece of paper so I can read it? <laughs> I'm not going to read it out loud. Oh yeah, no, I for sure will. Like, okay. Yeah, and they're, they're, they're just like, they do all kinds of stuff and I'm just like. Is this like a total dude, bro? Like, would I know him? No, you wouldn't know them. Wouldn't know his name? No. Okay, well, that doesn't uh, matter. Yeah, and so it's just like, 
they got up there and they were just like, you know, if someone comes up to you and they're like, like you know, even students, if they want to like, hey, I want to buy you coffee, charge them your consultation fee, what you would charge someone who wanted to like steal your entire business. And I was like, what? What? I was like, what? Well, what you do? You're no. not. You're not the only one in Nashville. You're not the only one at your place of like work. Mm-hmm. We, we, like they're 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 a personal personal trainer. Okay. Uh, and I was like, one, well, you have to take classes and get a cert for all this. Like, yeah. and I, they were just. And they were telling a room full of mostly media creatives, so designers, photographers, and all that, who were like, networking is 85% of the job. Oh, no. Networking is a ton of it. Yeah, That's what I'm doing right now. Networking is yeah. so much networking. part of the job. Yeah, and so it's like, to, to, in order to say like, oh, like, hey, guys, come on my podcast. And we're like, our hourly is $300 an hour just to hear our voices and like kind of build your own image. So, like, what the, like, I think yeah. doing that accepts that you never had a help from anyone ever, which, you know... That's some anime shit. That's like, you know, I lived in isolation for 16 years and became the person that I... I studied the blade. <laughs> yeah. It's like, bro, you don't study the blade. Someone else taught you the blade. Yeah. Who learned it from some other guy. Mm-hmm. Who learned it from some other guy. Yeah. Who learned yeah. it from some other guy. And if guy. you're like, yeah, we can have coffee, but I'm going to charge you, like, $50 for half an hour, you're just a selfish prick. Yeah. Like, you're not trying to help other people. If you're, if you're providing a service, mm-hmm. then yeah. you can charge hourly. Yeah. So... My brother, Dylan, who does all the computer IT tech stuff. Mm-hmm. So he, he went to school originally to, he wanted to be a surgeon, I think, originally, or a doctor or something. Some crazy. So he went, yeah. he got a bachelor's of science in biology. Oh, my God. Right? Emphasis in human anatomy or some, some crazy long degree yeah. title. Halfway through, he realized that he didn't actually want to do that. Mm-hmm. And just, like, stuck it out for the last two years and oh, got his God. degree. Oh, he's like madman. So then he went back to school. And got a degree in computer network administration. And that's what he does now. Jesus. So Jesus Christ. Yeah. So now he does all of this like like computer IT tech stuff. And mm-hmm. sometimes he does on-sites. Yeah. Before, the, before the virus, mm-hmm. right, he would go out to someone's house. Someone would call and it's like, some, it's like 90 bucks an hour, 100 bucks an hour or something. And he'll set up your home network for you. So your your computer with your laptop and your router and your modem and your security system and your ring doorbell yeah. and your smart lights and your smart he like he hooks it all like that's like everything. what his degree's in. He's like he understands that. That's his thing. Yeah. But recently he helped a guy uh the guy called and said, Hey, my son's really into like gaming and streaming. This is this is like a grown man. Who doesn't know? He doesn't get video games. Yeah. yeah, never. He never played Doom. He never played Wolfenstein. Like never played Galaga. Doesn't get it. Yeah. But his son, who's like sixteen, is really into gaming, and loves watching Twitch streams and loves doing all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And reached out to Dylan and was like, "Hey man, um, my son's in all this gaming stuff, and like I don't know anything about it. He wants to stream, and he like he streams now, but like his computer gets too hot." And this and that and whatever. Um, can you help? And Dylan was like so excited about this that he, I think he only charged half his hourly rate to come yeah. out and help this kid. And then when people come in, sometimes he'll, if it's like a $20 fix, like mm-hmm. he won't charge him for a full hour of work. He'll just charge him for the part. Yeah. And if someone calls in or comes in asking questions about computer stuff, you, you don't charge for that. Yeah, just yeah. like. You don't. A question. Yeah, You're that's not, not worth. So if somebody wants to sit down with you and be like, "Hey, man, like, 
I want to work on my rock climbing technique. Yeah. I want to learn. Like how, I want to learn how to do dinos. Yeah. I want to learn how to use like, you know, use my hand more effectively to get mm-hmm. this bottle cap hold and whatever. Yeah. That's not three hundred bucks an hour. Yeah. That's not. Because there's a difference between me sitting down with someone and like, yeah, over a beer, over food, or over coffee, or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah, when I was first getting into it, I really like I thought about like, you know, I picked like a core, like you know, my core first, and then this, and like, I'm not teaching them how to do, like, I'm not like writing down all my regiments. I'm not like, you know, I'm not meeting up with them and going like, oh hey, like this is what I'm gonna do for X Y Z. You know, same thing with photography. You know, being like, oh, in order to become like. A freelancing photographer I went to these meetups and I you know made sure mm-hmm. I was posting on these Facebook groups I was using these hashtags it's very different than like yeah. sit down with you let's shoot together and like let me teach you how to do what I do right one of them is you're instructing one of them is like you're just like hey like you're doing this for what people did for yeah. you Pointers. get it's not a lesson you're just like giving some advice like talking shop and, mm-hmm. and yeah. there's a huge difference yeah. between that so I love the, talking shop about things I know a lot you about. love talking yeah. Yeah, I love talking too. I never shut up. That's why I'm doing this. Yeah. That's why I get on following Gary's advice. That's why I've been on TikTok mm-hmm. answering. So what I've done is I call it absurd answers is what it's called, and I I post a one minute video of me basically yelling at the camera saying about like <laughs> you need to ask me some questions about drawing, and people send me PMs and DMs and whatever whatever you want to call them, and they comment on my videos and they're like, hey bro, how do I get? I'm having trouble with Prismacolors, and mm-hmm. so I'll shoot. Like, I'll get their question in the next day or when I have time. I'll yeah. shoot a one-minute video on, like, here's how to work with Prismacolor. Here's some techniques you can use. Yeah. I'm giving away the stuff I went to college for and paid worked. Thousands you, and thousands and paid, of dollars. And paid literally tens of thousands of dollars. I'm giving Tears it away for free. Too. Yeah. Giving it away for free. Mm-hmm. Because, to be honest, I don't think it's worth tens of thousands of dollars. It's not. I think it's worth money for sure because, you know, Dr. Yeah. Rebar needs to eat. It's worth and, and Renee way. needs to eat, and mm-hmm. Renee needs to be able to feed her nine dogs that she has. Yeah. And, it's, you know. You, it's feeding into everyone else. It's not just for the betterment of yourself, and yeah. it's not all about you. You're giving into, like, feeding someone else, and and then you have knowledge that you can then share to other people. Right. It's a whole, like. Yeah. Not a pyramid scheme. That's not what. It is. No, it's not a pyramid. No English. <laughs> English degrees are a pyramid scheme. Yes. The only thing you yes. do with an English degree is teach more English. That's it. Yeah. It's a pyramid scheme. But with art and with a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. the only way to learn how to do things is to do things. There's no way to. Like you, you can't. Yeah. I don't know. Like build a table, right? You're gonna build a table. You have a mm-hmm. raw wood and hand tools, and you're gonna build a table. The only way to really learn how to do that is to actually do it yourself. Yeah. yeah. You can watch hundreds of videos like of, of videos. Uh, tutorials and, and woodworkers and carpenters yeah. and, you know, and whatever. And even if you do, your first table you build is going to be it's, garbage. Your table's going to be trash, bro. It's so bad. It's all sitting at an angle and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like, you can't, no. It does that wobble. It does that wobble thing. thing. you got to stick a bunch of coasters under one leg mm-hmm. to make it stand up straight. But then you build another table and another one. Yeah, and study. Study's yeah. the one thing. You just keep doing it. Yeah, so I've been giving away. Suck. <laughs> I've been giving away a lot of the information that I've studied and worked yeah. hours and hours and hours for to each. I'm just giving that, just giving it away. Mm-hmm. But it's worth it, I think. Yeah. yeah, no, 100%. And I think, so my perspective on this is, I think, a little unique because the one, one of the things that I consider myself a aficionado at uh-huh. it's not something that people pay for ever and it's Dungeons yeah. and Dragons yeah it's a it's a bro time. fun fact look at this oh man mm-hmm. I've got 
this drawer, or not this drawer, this locker, full of my D&D &D stuff. Oh, hell yeah. I've got that. I've got my dice are in there somewhere. I've got oh some, my God. I've got custom clear Elven dice. Hell yeah. Yeah. We were I, was, I, was, I was super into D&D &D for a while. We were just playing around with, I think we're just, I'm going to try to start making dice. Oh, uh, yeah? Because what else, else am I going to do during quarantine? Yeah, bro. Um, but, like, it. being it. Like a D&D player and a uh, dungeon master is something that, like, I didn't spend money to get good at. I just spent a lot of time and, like, giving a shit. Mm -hmm. And so I'm part of a lot of D&D Facebook groups where I'll kind of mess around and, like, I'll, like, just talk to new DMs because mm -hmm. I think more than anything else, oh, these are sick. Right? I what? got them on super sale, too, for, like, ten bucks. Hell Yeah. They're really, really hard to read on a glass table. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're hard to read against brown skin shit. Yeah, bro. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, like, just having the conversation between, um, like, new DMs talking to, like, old fuddy-duddy, like, this is the way you have to run everything, because, A, D&D &D will not, most likely, generate the average person money. D&D &D no. does not cost a lot of money. You need, like a random number generator and a basic understanding of the rules which are free online. Or a set of dice. Yeah. And with a lot of that stuff, if you know someone who's already... Because no one gets into D&D &D, like by accident. You normally know someone or you read oh, something or yeah. you watch a YouTube video. Yeah. That's how you... So I got into D&D &D with... I'll mark that too, D&D. &D. So um, I got into D&D &D with my friends in high school when I moved mm -hmm. when I moved to Tennessee yeah. from Alabama mm -hmm. I met I, I immediately like found a clique of friends and like we were tight mm -hmm. and they were into D&D &D. and they're like bro let's start a new campaign because like all of our characters you know they use the same characters so they've had their characters for a mm -hmm. long time yeah. and they've got all the gear and they've got all the, the stats are all high and they <laughs> you alright? yeah I'm good so they um they got me into playing D anD D, and they always they played like super homebrew rules. Oh they yeah, you know they didn't they didn't use like the the square mm -hmm. checker tabletop thing where you have to move and you have to be within so many squares to make combat or whatever. Mm -hmm. yeah. they didn't do any of that. It was mostly like storytelling. And what yeah. would usually happen is by the end of it, we were all super late at night. We're all tired and delirious, <laughs> and it, it, yeah. it, everybody just kind of falls asleep at a table. I was like, it's fine. Yeah. So I got I got into it a similar way where it was just like I all my friends were theater kids in high school. Oh yeah, yeah. And this so, whole group was theater kids. And too. so it's like, well, all theater kids play D and D, so we should probably figure it out. And we had one friend who like lived in a neighborhood with like six other kids, and they all hated sports. And so from age like, and they were you know there was like a ten year age gap between like all of the kids, mm -hmm. but they would just play D and D every weekend growing up. So, like, everyone in their neighborhood would get together, they'd play D&D &D together, yeah. and they taught us. And so I played, like, on and off throughout high school. Then I went to college and played a little bit. And then, like, four years ago, like, a D&D &D video popped up on my YouTube, and I was like, man, I miss that. And I asked everyone I knew, I was like, hey, have you guys ever played D&D &D before? They're like, no, but, like, I'm always interested in it. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay. And I bought the rule book, and I read it front to back, and I said, let's go. And I DM'd for, like, three and a half, years consistently like mm -hmm. once to twice a week one to two campaigns like this is what i'm doing um and so like after just doing it for so long and like doing it like very officially and doing it all homebrew like i have just way too much knowledge in my head mm -hmm. that is like it only pertains to dnd yeah and only <laughs> useful for this one thing so i'll be on like facebook groups and like just seeing people seeing the way people treat other people who are new it's just fucking horrible or yeah just, like you just don't understand like because you like don't you're, understand. you're turning people away from this thing that you yeah. love 
Yeah, and it's like you love this thing mm-hmm. and you're passionate about this thing, and you're being such a stickler about it that you're this new guy who's excited. He's never played it, and you've yeah. put in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours into this game. And now you're like pushing this guy away. Yeah. It's like, of course they don't understand. Like they're new. To yeah, they're it. new. It's like, a whole new bring thing. Bring them in. Teach them. Cultivate what do you mean two d six? How does that work? <laughs> you mean you roll the d six two times? And like, I think one of the biggest things Numbers. for me, which flips all that on its head, and I think translates to other, uh, other you know, arts and everything, is when someone new gets into it, mm-hmm. it spices everything up. Because oh, yeah, because they're trying stuff that... Doesn't, like, you know, like, because you, if, you know, like, I have a good understanding of everything that a barbarian can do in one turn based on, like, action economy and dice and all that nerdy yeah. shit. But then a new character comes in, it's like, well, my character is a barbarian, so they're strong, so can I do X, Y, Z? And because the theater of the mind, it's up to the dungeon master to assign difficulty and then mm-hmm. give them a chance, and so it changes the entire table dynamic. Mm-hmm. And I feel like arts and, like, so many different things, it's like... Once someone new hits the scene and like brings in their own personality and brings in whatever like they brought to the table, mm-hmm. uh, it has a good chance to like a change the way that you do things, but b just kind of like spice things up and make things a little bit more like, break a little monotony. Mm-hmm. So when when my friends and I used to play, we would do. There was a lot of us that would play, mm-hmm. and some of us were kind of like in and out throughout the session, mm-hmm. and there was the guy that would DM would basically, if there was someone who, like, wasn't playing or, like, wasn't active mm-hmm. in the thing, like, there was a dude in the kitchen making tacos, be like, yeah. hey, man, come here and roll this dice. And <laughs> that's how it would work. So, like, you would have someone else, like, you're a goblin right now. So, like, yeah. do whatever a goblin does. And this is a guy that has no concept of, like, <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. He, knows, he knows enough that it's turn-based and you got to roll dice to see what happens. That's yeah. all he knows. But he's trying, you know, trying to just describe the attack he's going to do. Yeah. And then you try to do what is it a check where you try to you got to roll above yeah. that number, and we were hitting some straight up like kung fu levels of combat <laughs> with you know imaginary medieval weapons. But we were having a yeah. blast, having an absolute blast. Mm-hmm. And it's dope. And yeah. like I've played maybe three or four sessions ever, just because like. Ruben got me into it just because he played so much. And mm-hmm. was like, you have to listen to this podcast. So I was like, yeah really reluctant because it was something that was like I was afraid I wouldn't like it and mm-hmm. it's something that he's so into and I was like I don't want what to is it? I mean not. you can you can not like something that you're well, here's the that thing, your I'm other is into hooked. oh yeah okay <laughs> that's all I want to do well now but you got then, tons of time to do it yeah but the thing is like playing I played with one group like two or three times and then a different group and just the difference between playing with different people mm-hmm. it's a huge difference. is wild and I was not prepared for mm-hmm. it all but it's it not the it, same it's not like playing it's not, the same. it's not like playing two-hand touch football Mm-mm. the game's not the same <laughs> yeah the game's not at all and the it same it just made it so much more with. interesting of like it made this world of D&D that I had in my mind so much bigger mm-hmm. because you're bringing other people's minds into it yeah it's wild. Oh, it, it's I, I 100% relate it mostly to uh, mixed martial arts. Yeah. It's like you could have two people who are equally as strong. One person's just been doing it for a lot longer, and it's just like, oh, I'm going to punch really hard, and they're like, I'm going to grab your hand and throw it on the ground, because you didn't even think that was an option. Right. So when my friends and I used to play all the time, and there were so many of us playing, we would like converse among ourselves and try to do... Because you can only do so much within one turn. Yeah. yeah. So we would do, you know... For a while, I played like a ranger mm-hmm. character because I just like being off the distance and just like messing people up with the bow. That's mm-hmm. fun. So I would, um, 
if I would roll high enough, I would say I try to shoot his right arm, the sword arm. Yeah. Disable the sword arm, and then, like, it would... I said one thing that I'm going to roll to... I think one of the rules was you had to say what you were going to do before you rolled. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I said I'm going to roll to try to pin his arm to his shield. Right? (laughs) So I roll, and I rolled, like, a 18 or whatever. So it's like, great job. Mm -hmm. Pinned his arm to his shield. Well, then uh, the barbarian character rolled. I'm going to grab his shield... And just like throw it, and because he's attached to it, <laughs> oh my it goes too. And it was it was gruesome, yeah. the stuff we were coming up with. But we were having so much fun. Oh yeah. And there's no screen. There's no electricity. You can do this by candlelight. Yeah. Crazy. Oh, hundred percent. And like, what's, what's funny is like, there's so many different directions you can take it. Uh-huh. And so like, one of our friends got it was like super like crunchy. Like, I just want to like know how the game justifies the world. So, like, I want to know every little thing. And so he got really into, like, learning about the action economy and, like, how many in-game seconds things take. Yeah. And there was this weird caveat to 3rd edition, or 3.5 D&D, that meant, uh, that was when a, uh, two NPCs, so two non-player characters, interact, it takes zero seconds. So a interaction between two people not controlled by anyone at the table takes zero seconds. So it's like if Peasant it 1... Was instant. Yeah, hands a rock to Peasant 2, it takes zero seconds. And so what we had was a character who just, all they cared about was their charisma level, so it's like how well they can convince other people to do things. And what they did was they lined up a group of peasants that would hand a rock from one end of five peasants to another end of five peasants. It happened instantly. In zero seconds. So you have a rail gun. You have a medieval rail gun as well. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. So he was like abusing. So that's like, that right there is the dude that modded Half-Life 2 <laughs> with Gary's mod and just like built crazy stuff Yeah, because he's abusing the game mechanics. That's amazing. And it's so self-governed where it's like the DM was like well by the rules that checks out. Yeah, technically, we, all, technically. we all had a wonderful time with it but then we all got bored of it. So it's like we broke the game and then we instantly bet back to like fixing it and moving on. Yeah. And that's like just something that like I just have a good old time with. Yeah. That's funny. I've never even considered it. It's the way we played was very, it was more like storytelling mm-hmm. than anything. It was just like participative yeah. storytelling. We didn't do a whole lot of like rule following, rule checking, mm-hmm. stuff like that. We did have one rule because we had a guy that we used to play with named Brandon who was, he, no matter what happened, he was always like rolling to check it, like always, yeah. with everything. God. Like to the point where it was really annoying. Like yeah. he just and wants so, to roll. Or he something. just wants to roll, yeah. So we, uh, and it, Brandon was one of those guys that you couldn't tell him no. He would just argue. Even when he knew he was wrong, he would like yeah. just still argue. So, I hope he doesn't listen to this. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Should have said a different name. Uh, whatever. That's not what we called him anyway. No, he definitely knows it's him. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, um, he would roll everything all the time. So, we had to like, make a rule for him. He's like, you can only roll once every however much. Yeah. So... A lot of the stuff that we had, we didn't really follow like the rules of the game yeah. traditionally. Now I have a buddy who I got into playing, and now he's DMing. And the thing that he's realizing the quickest is like when you run the game, you can't have something important based on a role because if you just if RNG fails you, mm-hmm. then you don't know what to do. So it's like okay, they need to find this key to get into this door. The door is the door is locked, or like the, like it's locked in a box, and they have to pick the lock. And if they don't pick the lock, they can't get to the door. And it's like. We failed. Yeah. And you like, broke the game. There's like, oh shit, now what? I guess we all retire? 
like go have yeah. families like just over <laughs> yeah that's when the barbarian goes I'm gonna smash the box and he rolls a 20 and that's it and boom yeah yeah it's insane so Celeste what have you been up to um I've been organizing a lot yeah <laughs> so what are what are your plans with if well I mean not if you guys move but when yeah, you guys move whenever we do uh, my plan like at the moment um since now I have so much time finally being able to build up like a portfolio um so when we move out there kind of like the few weeks prior start applying for a part-time job so i have at least some sort of income once we get there right um and then while having a part-time job kind of scout out hopefully some sort of apprenticeship with a tattoo shop um and just get that going and then depending on how that works either cut back on whatever part-time job or up the hours just so i can balance both mm-hmm yeah, that's kind of my plan. It just kind of depends when we actually can move out there. Well, the the good news is is that now you've got like real time. Mm-hmm. You've got real time. Yeah. To work on your stuff and to study and, Which and is whatever. So exciting. And I really should I should give you a list of the artists that I follow on Instagram. Oh, please. And I please. could give you a list of resources online. I've actually got mm-hmm. a list. So this is like this document of stuff that I've been working on yeah. to get together but there's a I've got like a running list of re- free online resources Hell for drawing yeah. now this doesn't really apply directly to tattooing but directly mm-hmm. do, drawing does apply directly to tattooing yeah. so it's like two degrees away mm-hmm. but and having like studies you can do in exercises mm-hmm. in ways Proco mm-hmm. which we used in drawing class all the time oh yeah with, with Renee yeah. that's free you know, it's free. About that. It's free. You can. You don't have to make it. You just like proco.com or proco.org, whatever yes. it's called. So proco Khan Academy, Wiki Art. It's just a giant art gallery oh, online yeah. of every yeah. famous piece of artwork ever known. Ever, mm-hmm. it's on there and it's in perfect high def, so you can study it. Um, there are hundreds of thousands of free images of figure poses online for studying figure drawing. Oh, I have so many books of, like, Alfonso, anatomy books. Yeah, Alfonso Dunn, that guy's YouTube channel. There's a guy, um, I think his name's uh, Gregory Sergey or something like that. I think I follow he, him He's a YouTube guy. I found him this morning. Yeah. Literally just, like, one of the people online asked me, they sent me a question, like, hey, man, I'm trying to, like figure this thing out. Do you have mm-hmm. a resource I can use? I was like, oh, get on YouTube and type in whatever. There's yeah. a playlist made by whatever. It's 20 videos long. Mm-hmm. The answer you're looking for is somewhere in there probably. Yeah. And like, oh, yeah. thanks, dude. That that volume of free resources. Mm-hmm. I think people are about to realize that you don't need to go to college Hopefully, yes. to be a successful artist. Because mm-hmm. there's so, there's so many much free resources. stuff. Now, I think at, at one time, going to the academy to study was super important mm-hmm. because there weren't, all those resources weren't free. You're like, if you wanted to yeah. get one one thousandth of the information that we have for free on Facebook and YouTube right now, mm-hmm. you'd have to spend thousands and thousands of dollars on books. Yeah. And then you've got to read the books. Mm-hmm. But now you have free videos yeah. that you can slow down and play a hundred times. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's it not like... It used to be it, like you needed the credentials behind like whatever degree or whatever now it's like you just prove to someone like yeah i'm really good at this and they're like good and they're enough like, and they're like type yeah like Send you don't it. even need whatever degree in a frame doesn't matter yeah you don't need all that stuff yeah just it, now, you, it's good to have 
it's never bad to have. Like if you, <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think that the more I think about it, I, th- I think that if I didn't get the scholarships that I got, I would never have gone to college. Oh, same. Yeah. If never. I hadn't had like tuition help from my mom working at Vanderbilt, wouldn't have been able to go. Yeah. No. Yeah. Like, I mean, for me, the story is the same. It's like my stepmom mm-hmm. worked at Belmont. It's like sold her soul to Belmont basically. Yeah. And that's how I got mad discounts, but I still had to pay a ton of money out of pocket. And my mm-hmm. parents did not help me with that at all. And they told me, I asked them, I said, so like, how's this going to work? And they said, we got you into college. That's how yeah. we helped. We that's it. You. We're not helping you with anything else. And I said, mm-hmm. okay. It's like, that's fair. And I worked, you remember when I was working at the warehouse? Oh yeah. You were miserable. <laughs> oh, I was, oh my God. I was the worst version of myself. <laughs> the absolute worst. I don't know if Ruben knew me in that time. I knew right No. Were you tattooing at all? The very beginning of my apprenticeship, the first half of my apprenticeship, I was working at the warehouse. Uh, yeah. I think we I talked about that. it at the art show. Yeah. About just how, mm-hmm. like, I was so tired. Yeah. I was just so tired you all the time. You were so tired, and, like, you're a pretty, like, angry person, but you were, like, <laughs> peak. So peak. Bad. I was at, I was at rage. I was like, at rage angsty. mode. Oh, dude, I was, so I was miserable. Mm-hmm. So, like, the work that I do now, there was a break. I think, where I was working. I was in college, and I was working at the warehouse. Yeah. And I remember Gabby Gottfried. You remember Gabby Gottfried? Do you remember her? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so Gabby asked me one time, because she, she's so smart. Insane. I, I envy her. Knowing her is like being colorblind and knowing someone that sees color. That's what knowing her mm-hmm. is like. She's just so smart, and I, like yeah. in ways that I can't fully perceive. Like the most simple thing, she's just like, well, why didn't you think of that? And you're like, why? And you're like, Qu- be quiet. <laughs> You know, sage from the future who knows everything. Wild. But uh, anyway, she asked me, she said, does it feel weird living a double life? And I said, well, what do you mean? And mm-hmm. she said, so it, she said, during the week, yeah, you're a college student. Like, pretty, but even then, like, atypical college student, so it's like, yeah. Belmont's not a normal college. It's not like a state school or anything. Mm-hmm. It's a whole different ball game. Yeah. And she said, you fit in here pretty well. Like, you get along with people, and, you, and at that point, I was in Kappa Pi, and I was in Omicron Delta Kappa, yeah. and I was in those on-campus organizations and doing all that stuff. I was mm-hmm. busy all the time. Yeah, like, pretty integrated. And then she said, that's full-time work. That's, like, 40 hours a week mm-hmm. doing school and then doing all the other stuff. That's 40 hours a week. But then, yeah. also, I worked an additional some amount of hours at the warehouse. Yeah. And she said, and there, you're a blue-collar worker. The exact opposite of like a private school, like a private Christian school, liberal arts kid. Yeah. Literally the exact opposite. She's like, what's it like being both? And it's like, I don't feel like I'm either one, really. Yeah. You know, like I... You have this weird like middle in between area where you just existed. Yeah. And there was at one, so where I got the the nickname Absurd Mm -hmm. was from someone that I was in figure drawing with. Yeah. And I don't remember her name, actually. She was really cool. She used to come out to the house and hang out with me. <laughs> I you always don't? <laughs> we, we she she went her nickname was Punk. So I just called her Punk all the time. I think her name was Allie or Annie or something. I don't know. I am not good with names. Wolf. Uh-huh. Wolf. Yeah. Oh yeah. I remember you talking about her. Oh, she was great. She was super cool. And then I don't know. She was older. She was like one of those kids that didn't go to college immediately, like, took they took a couple years off and mm-hmm. worked a job at the post office and, you know, or whatever. And then she... 
she worked for you know exactly who I'm talking I know about. Exactly. She had the crazy hot yeah. What's her name? You don't remember it either. I Shut no up. Because I never you know? talked to her. <laughs> you had her at your home. Yeah, she's. I never talked to her a couple times. She was she's funny, but uh, <laughs> she asked me what all I was doing. She's like, "Hey, can you hang out this weekend?" And I was mm-hmm. like, "No, can't can't do it." And she said, "Why?" She said, "Why?" And I said, "I've got college stuff that I have to do." Yeah. From like. I showed her my schedule, mm-hmm. and it was everything was color coded and different because like you just have to force structure on like that to make that many moving parts work mm-hmm. together. So I told her it's like I can't like I've got class these times. I've mm-hmm. got my work for my studies and for like I've got this essay that I'm working on. So like yeah. Wednesday I have to spend some time working on that essay on mm-hmm. Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So I've got an hour blocked out for that, and I've got this, and I've got that, and whatever, yeah. and. Then she was like, well, what about the weekend? I was like, oh, I work all weekend. So, mm-hmm. like, Friday, I got out of, I only had one class Fridays. Yeah. It was Friday at 8 a.m. I had Art History 2 with Judy Bullington. I got out of that class at, what, 10 or 9? Uh, Whatever it was. It was an hour, two hours. It was hours. a 50-minute class because it was Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Yeah, so, okay, it was, yeah. a, it was an hour long. Mm-hmm. I got out of that class. I would go eat at the cafeteria. Yeah. At... No, I would go to the library, and I would work on stuff for an hour. Mm-hmm. Then I would go to the calf, eat, and then go to work, and I would work until 9 p.m. And then I would get up at 6 a.m. the next day mm-hmm. and go back to work, and I would work. And then Sunday, I would clean the house and do laundry yeah. and you have, like, like, wash my sheets and, and you know do normal, go buy groceries mm-hmm. and clean the house. To be do, a human. To be a human, and that was my day. And I was like, I can't, I can't. And she looked at that schedule and she goes, you are absolutely absurd. Absurd, Ty Higgins, that's you. And I was like, got it. Oh my God, I got it. (laughs) My brand. My brand, that's my thing. Uh, So that's where that came from. Dude, I get that. That's true. When we first met, I was working 80 hours. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was just like seven days a week. It was like you, pretty much every day, it was like, you wake up at like seven. Grind. By eight, (laughs) you're not getting off work till 11. Yeah, it was like, grind. Go home, go back to sleep. Yeah, and it's like it when we saw each other, it was like, you worked at order up until like four, you'd come hang out at my dorm and then have to be at climb at five. Yep. <laughs> like, that our, was it. Yeah, our first day started at midnight. Bro, that's <laughs> yeah. so wild. Cafe Coco. <laughs> Cafe Coco. Oh, yeah, because it was open. Yeah, yeah it, was it was open. open, was open. <laughs> and I was working at the Cool Springs Mall until like midnight or 1 a.m., yeah. and so I busted through my work that night, met him at Cafe Coco at like midnight or... Midnight thirty. Midnight thirty. We talked until like five thirty a.m. Nine eight a.m. the next morning. It was awful. Yeah, my. So you can ask Nathaniel about this because mm-hmm. this is my room and I'm talking about listeners. <laughs> Nathaniel, when he, when he comes home, you'll have to ask him about the mornings, Saturday mornings when I was getting up to go to work at the warehouse. Ask him about my demeanor, how I was dressed. <laughs> All that stuff, because he's he's going to describe to you exactly this. Oh God! He's gonna laugh and he's gonna say, "Yeah, Ty would just stare into the corner with a cup of coffee and just stand with his hoodie on, just stare, holding a lunchbox, standing and <laughs> staring into the wall." Because I was just mentally like uh, amping myself yeah. up to go to work. You just sound like a forty-five-year-old dad with five kids. It's like another fucking day. Yeah, <laughs> I woke up early just to say that I woke up early. <laughs> yeah. But I had to, man. It was just, uh, as Elon Musk famously said, uh, no one ever changed the world working 40 hours a week. Yeah. 
Name one guy. Bet you can't. There's not many guys. Can't. <laughs> Name some powerful women who have changed your world. Amelia Earhart. She's been aging the last like thirty years. It's been more than thirty. <laughs> <laughs> She's been slacking. She's been slacking, mad slacking. <laughs> Amelia, <laughs> disappointed in her. Man, well, is that that's good. That's an hour and thirty-four minutes of content. That's how a, how do you feel about a, that? That's a podcast. That's a good one. Ooh. Hi, boys. We're done. Ooh. Tune in next week. I'm gonna have someone else on. Mm. Woohoo!